Welcome into another episode of Overtime here on the Colts Audio Network. I'm JJ Stankovitz, joined by Casey Vallier and Bill Brooks as we break down the final day of the NFL draft and the selections the Colts made. If you didn't catch the uh, first episode of Overtime that came out on Friday, that's with Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi. Exactly. What's wrong with you? you? Come on. (laughs) I listened to it. It was great. It was very interesting talking about the Colts draft picks of Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, Bernard Ryman, and Nick Cross. Those are all made on Friday, but we are here, Casey, Bill, and I, to talk about the four selections the Colts made on Saturday. Saturday on day three of the draft that would be Missouri State defensive tackle Eric Johnson with the 159th pick that was in the fifth round in the sixth round 192nd overall Youngstown State tight end Andrew Ogletree also in the sixth round a 216th overall Cincinnati defensive tackle Curtis Brooks and in the seventh round 239th overall Yale cornerback Rodney Thomas the second the the thing that stands out to me about these picks which goes back to Friday, but specifically on day three, is that the Colts once again use these picks to bet on high-end traits. Yep. You look at what, you know, the, these, I don't know if, you know, you've been on Twitter and you've seen these, like, RAS scores, the relative athletic scores, <laughs> and they are, like, off the charts. Like, the lowest one was, like, a 9.19 out of 10. Yes, for every single player the Colts drafted. It's crazy just how athletic these guys are. When you look at Johnson, uh, Ogletree, Brooks, and Thomas, though, Bill, I want to start with you on this. What stands out about just the, the overall strategy that the Colts took here on day three? Well, I, I think the strategy was to get the best athletic guys they possibly can get. And when you get those type of guys on your team, it makes it easier for the coaches to teach those guys the proper techniques because those guys are so athletic. They can pick up things very quickly. It makes it easier for the coaches to teach those guys, and then it makes it easier and quicker for those guys to be put in to the system, to play the system, to go out there and perform in the game. So it's going to give these guys an opportunity to compete for a job and a position on the team. Casey, when, when you you look at just the positions the Colts drafted, I think sometimes we we get a little bit too caught up in, oh, man, like, you know, they drafted two defensive tackles and they drafted another tight end after drafting Jelani Woods and, you know, they draft this versatile defensive back. But when you're looking at these guys, you're, you're talking about important depth pieces and special teams players who have some upside. Is that kind of, you know, if you're thinking about the positions that the Colts took, is that sort of how you view it here? No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I think one of the things that we talked about on Friday, you know, during the radio, you know, cut-ins here and there, and then also kind of stuff that all of us have kind of talked about all week, once you kind of find in those those first couple rounds, you find those areas of, you know, whether you want to put it as need or your wish list, whatever it is, once you kind of get that, then it is kind of best player available. You look at the board and where you, you know, this is where the scouting comes so it's so pivotal and so key because one of the things that you actually asked Chris Ballard in the pre-draft is, you know, making sure that your needs today, you know, they're going to be different tomorrow. So you never can have too many at one position. So yeah, you look 
at it and you go, you've got DeForest Buckner, you've got Grover Stewart, and you just drafted two more defensive tackles. I don't think they look at it that way. They're just looking at depth and who the best player at that spot is. And that's why I kind of love this back end of the draft because you look at it and you're like, well, those aren't areas of need. But they just went, you know what? They may not be the area of need that you think, but these are impact players that are going to help our depth as a whole. And that's why I really like it. I mean, I'm sure there are areas that I thought they would attack. I thought maybe you'd see another wide receiver late. You might get a linebacker. But, you know, hearing these guys talk and hearing Chris Ballard talk about where he's going to use these guys. And I mean, you know, some of these guys he took because you never know in a couple years, you may have tapped into something that these guys have so much potential. So that's why I really like what the Colts did late. Let's start just kind of talking about each of these guys a little bit more specifically, uh, starting with Eric Johnson, who's the number 159 overall pick. Think about this guy. He blocked five kicks in college. Like, that that doesn't happen uh, by accident. He's a, a kid who's got super long arms. I mean, he, his arms measured at 34 and a quarter, um, you know, when he was measured. And he, he was not a combine guy. He's a guy who uh, the Athletics Dane Brugler said was his top player who was not invited to the NFL combine right. in this year's draft. Um and he's someone who can, you know, when we had a chance to talk uh, to some of the Colts scouts, they mentioned that he reminds them a little bit of Grover Stewart, just in the sense, I mean, he's a big guy, he's 6'4", 299, but coming in from that kind of smaller school, a guy who can be kind of molded by defensive line coach Nate Ollie. Um, but, Bill, I want to get your take on the tight end the Colts took in uh, Andrew Ogletree, because he's a guy who he played wide receiver, and he, he played that at Findlay, and then he transferred to Youngstown State. He kind of played both ends of their season uh, in the spring and in the fall that was kind of impacted by COVID. But he's someone who he, he said in his media interview that he kind of views himself as a ball of clay for the Colts coaches to mold. But, Bill, <laughs> you, play, you played wide receiver. You know how difficult it is to block as a wide receiver. And then you throw that in a guy who's, you know, the, the thinks he can play and showed he can play with his hand in the dirt as a wide tight end. What about that transition is is going to be challenging now for him to make it at the NFL level? But what do you know about this guy and, and you know, the skill set that he brings to the Colts? Well, as we talked about earlier before, he's a big body guy, 6'5", 260 pounds. That's a big young man. And for a young man that was that big and he played wide receiver, he definitely had a lot of mismatches out there. But the good thing is he knows how to use his body. He knows how to run routes. He knows how to get open and also defend defend, defend defenders off of him uh, by going to catch the ball. But I think the most difficult thing for him is going to be putting his hand in the dirt and blocking blocking big defensive ends, uh, defensive tackles, and possibly linebackers, and possibly just getting his hands in the right position and also his footwork in the right position and maintaining those blocks. That's going to be the biggest adjustment for him. Now, I think he can do it because he's athletic, as I said before. When you have guys that are athletic, they can learn things pretty quickly and adjust and change their body around so they can adapt to whatever technique the coaches are teaching them. So I think he'll be able to adjust, but it's just a little bit different as far as from a blocking standpoint, having his hand in the dirt and blocking different guys. Now, running routes, once he gets his hand out of the dirt and runs a route, I think that'll be different. Since he's done it before, he's played wide receiver, he should be fine in running routes. Now, it might be a little different 
being down and having a defensive tackle, defensive end over you as far as running a route uh, when you have your hand in dirt. But once he gets past that and gets up the field, I think he'll be fine. He could be that F, the F tight end or also be the Y tight end. Okay, so let's talk about Curtis Brooks, the Cincinnati defensive tackle who the Colts drafted 216th overall. This is a dude who had seven and a half sacks last year, 12 and a half tackles for a loss on one of the best teams in college football. He slips all the way to the sixth round, 215 players drafted ahead of him. He seemed to notice that. He, you know, not that he wouldn't have noticed it, but he seemed to draw a little bit of motivation from that. Um, What can you tell the listeners about Curtis Brooks and the kind of presence he brings to the Colts defensive line room? So one of the things that I always love are guys with chips on their shoulder. I mean, you look at this Colts defense because that's what he's joining. You've got Darius Leonard, who always plays with a chip regardless of I mean it may be that he just had a sandwich that was made wrong the day before and that's going to give him a chip to go have a better sandwich I mean that's kind of the the way that he's built you got Kenny Moore an undrafted guy DeForest Buckner plays with that chip because San Francisco you know didn't want to you know they traded him away one of the things that I love about Curtis Brooks is that way he wasn't invited to the combine he wasn't invited to the senior bowl I listened to him talk about Alec Pierce and then Alec Pierce in turn said I don't know why people are sleeping on this guy because he has a chance to, I mean, we watched him day in and day out be an incredible defensive piece on that Cincinnati team that I think there was nine players drafted, which that's pretty incredible. When you, you match that up against teams like Georgia, Alabama, LSU, that's normal for those. I mean, Cincinnati had nine guys drafted and this is one of those guys. So I am really excited to kind of see what that chip, what that added, you know, kind of that fire is going to do to a guy like this this and I mean we've talked about it you know he's defensive tackle so it's going to be hard for him to come in right now and and earn a spot but you know what these guys you know the the NFL is made up of guys like this who all they need is just a chance and I'm, I'm really excited to see you know kind of what the Colts chance giving this guy can do as we move forward. Yeah, you can never have too many defensive linemen. That is a a a core tenant of Chris Ballard's roster-building strategy. Um, Last guy to talk about here who was drafted today, Rodney Thomas, another guy. Like you're looking at his numbers, and you're like, all right, he's 6'1", 196. You ran a 4'5", Okay, okay, okay. And then you get to uh, uh, vertical jump, 41 inches. Whoa, that like, I mean, I was I was looking through his numbers today, and I'm like, all right, you know, okay, I can see it. And then you see the vertical, and you're like, oh my god. I mean, that's like Derrick Rose dunking over Goran Dragic levels <laughs> of vertical. I mean, it is this guy. Again, when you're betting on traits late in the draft, this is the exact kind of guy that you bet on. Um, and, and, you know, coming from a school like Yale, where th- their season in 2020 was wiped out because of the pandemic, the Colts did go with a couple of small school guys, you know, whether it was, you know, I, I'm not to say Yale is a small school, small program guys, right. um, you know, uh, in addition with uh, Eric Johnson, with Rodney Thomas II. Uh, it's just... The, again, this draft, I, I go back to that tweet I was talking about with the, the RAS scores, and it is like, I mean, like, I, I was talking about this with someone last night, about how there's a certain aspect and a certain, like, thing that matters to a team that just looks good getting off the bus. All right, yeah. <laughs> That's what the Colts, like, these eight guys, when they get off the bus, you're like, we got a squad here. I mean, that that's something, Bill, I, I want to get your perspective on this. When you're 
you're kind of looking at these guys and just that that like the first thing that you notice is how long or big or athletic these guys are. I mean, how, how much does that count for when you're talking about bringing guys in as, as draft picks? It counts a lot for those guys that are coming in and counts a lot for the, the team and, of course, the coaches. Knowing that you have a bunch of athletic guys that can go out and play, there are sometimes the coaches aren't going to be able to put you in the positions to make plays, to make it easier for you. You just have to make a play. And at times, the guys that make those plays are the athletic guys that can make those plays. And that's what the Colts have here, a bunch of athletic guys that can go out there and just play. And when you have guys with long arms for a wide receiver like me, I hate it playing against guys with long arms because when you play bump and run and they get their hands on you, it makes it difficult to get into your route, to get back over your original line of scrimmage and get down the field. So when guys can get their hands on you and their long arm, they still can keep distance away from you so you're not getting into their body and they still can run, it makes it difficult. And when these guys like Thomas and other guys with, with long arms that play and they can use leverage, it makes it easier for them to play and, and helps the team out. Casey, the, the, the Colts made eight picks over the last couple of days, but the roster construction is far from done. Uh, you know, with the undrafted free agent pool, it's something that the Colts have emphasized this year. There still are veteran free agents out there. When you think about where, what this roster might look like between now and September, is this a roster that needs finishing touches? Does it still need major pieces? What do you see the next couple of months looking like from a roster-building standpoint? Oh, what a question there. It, it, it's hard to say that it's you know just needs finishing touches because you're looking at a roster that, in large part, you know there's a lot of pieces returning from last year, and it's a team that was outside of the playoffs. But you look at some of those pieces that they've added, and you've got you know, your Matt Ryans, your Yannick Ngakwes, your Stephon Gilmores. And I think all of us are pretty high on what they did in the draft this year. So I look at it as, you know, you're just kind of – you're getting some – some back-end depth guys, but you're also just adding some fine-tooth pieces to a team that is pretty darn good. I'm really excited to see what this defense looks like because when I look at it on paper uh, – I label it as a top five defense. And, and then I think of, you know, clearly the capital they, they used this year in the draft on the offensive side of the ball, getting a couple tight ends, getting an offensive lineman, a wide receiver, adding depth to, you know, to Matt Ryan's arsenal. I really look at this team as, you know what? It really is a team that I think is the team to beat in the AFC South, especially with, you know, we, we talked about it early on when the Titans trade away A.J. Brown. All of a sudden, that thing looks a little different down in Nashville. And I think what the Colts did this weekend is they just got better. And, and I can't say, I mean, I think Jacksonville got better. I think Houston got better. But in all, I think they had such a long way to go. So I think the Colts, as we look forward to the next couple months preparing for training camp and all of that, I think you're just adding a couple pieces here and there because the core is in is intact, and we're just going to buckle up because it's going to be a fun ride once July gets here. That's for sure. JJ, I, I want to piggyback. I, I want to piggyback yeah. off of what Casey just said. I, I think it's an ongoing process. I think you know you, you have, like Casey said, you have your core, you have your guys here. But as Chris Ballard has said, you know there are still guys that are out there that. 
and they can bring in to help the team out. And I think as they go through OTAs and mini camp, and then possibly when training camp hits, they'll look and they'll assess where they're at and who they have and what the guys have done, and also the guys that are coming back off for injuries and, and things like that, and see if they need to go do something else as far as in the offseason with, with some guys and adding some guys here possibly. But um, I think as Casey said that the core is set. I think I, I love what the guys did, uh, Colts did in the draft. I love what they did in free agency and some of the trades they made and, and just Chris being patient this offseason. I mean, I don't have that type of patience. I would have been panicking uh, with all the things that went on this offseason, but Chris with his patience and just waiting things out and making the right moves and having an understanding of what the teams in the league need and what they want and where they're going and then playing off of that and using uh, the draft capital that he had to get some draft picks and also sign some free agents. Well, that is a, a pretty good way to bring a close to this episode of Overtime here on the Colts Audio Network. Remember, if you haven't listened to it already, get at Rick Venturi and Matt Taylor's analysis of day two of the NFL draft on the Colts Audio Network. That is in an episode of Overtime that we put out over the weekend. We are going to be back with you next week with plenty more here on the Colts Audio Network. The official Colts podcast presented by WinBet is back on Tuesday. Jeffrey Gorman and I sat down with new Colts wide receiver receiver Alec Pierce for an interesting discussion that includes a line from Jeffrey that is uh, you'll have to hear it to believe it <laughs> just Jeffrey Gorman that's all you have to say just it is it is Jeffrey Gorman was back and he delivered a line that threw me so far off I don't know how we recovered I don't know how Alec Pierce recovered but he did that kid is unflappable I tell you what you're not going to want to miss that on the official Colts podcast presented by WinBet stay locked in to everything we have coming from our Colts content department videos with the next pick when that drops as soon as that is out you're going to want to check that out uh, on the Colts social networks follow us on Twitter and on Facebook wherever you find us on social media TikTok Instagram you know all those places all the hip and places. on Colts.com I've got I've got plenty of articles written out on what all these picks mean some busy. pick profiles from our friend Andrew Walker it has been a busy weekend here on 56th Street for the well good done. weekend well done for the good JJ, weekend. by the way from, from Bill Brooks and I I know how busy you have been so really tip my cap very yes. well done this weekend excellent hey, job by that, you guys great job thank you Appreciate that. Well, please check out all of our work again wherever you can find the Colts online. And we will talk to you soon here on the Colts Audio Network. For Bill Brooks and Casey Vallier, I'm J.J. Stankovitz. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.